This is the Smith and Seidel Show. Now here's your host, Zach Smith and Jacob Seidel. Hello everyone and welcome into the Smith and Seidel Show. I'm Jacob Seidel alongside Zach Smith. We apologize for this late episode. Uh, you can blame my internet service provider for that. Uh, no names, please, Zach. No names. We both know who we're talking about uh, and we're not going to mention it. No, and Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates Christmas, of course, that listens into the show. I uh, hope you all had a very happy holiday, whatever you may celebrate. Um, I, I know I had a pretty good Christmas. I'm assuming you, sir, did as well. I got five um, pairs this of is coming out on new. Can't go wrong Can't with that. Wrong free with that. clothes or free clothes. Um, happy New Year to everybody. As in the day we're recording this, the day this is getting released. It is New Year's Eve, so uh, hope 2021 is better for everybody than 2020 is. I'm sure hoping sitting that for me, um, as well as my good friend Jacob Seidel. But um, on behalf of the Smith and Seidel Show, Happy New Year. Zach, we're PG-13 on this podcast. Um, we get one word. This is a family-friendly show. We don't tell one, me you're about to drop the word. We get one word. We're going to use don't it demo- right here. Don't demonetize us. Don't demonetize this. 2020. Oh, you did it. <laughs> he did it. That was him. That was him, not me. <laughs> well, we got a great show for you today because of the little bit of an extended layoff from recording due to holidays and uh, internet connection. Um We've got a great show. We've got the NFL playoffs week 17 coming up a lot on the line for a lot of teams. The MLB, some big trades happened this past week, mainly for the San Diego Padres getting into that in a minute. Of course, the NBA just getting off. So just a quick little introduction to what the NBA has looked like so far this season. And of course, it's bowl season, the New Year's six games tomorrow, Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. What two of those four teams will make it in the college football playoff? You're about to get our hot takes, but we start to this episode like we do every other by looking back at the past. Yeah, in today's uh, sports history fact, uh, so this is today in sports history is a little bit different than we normally do because apparently not a lot happens on New Year's Eve in the world of sports. Uh, but back in 1950, jock, uh, I don't know if it actually happened on the 31st, but jockeys Bill Shoemaker and Joe Colmone, which I believe that's how you pronounce that, set a record of 388 wins in a calendar year. Um, First off, that's impressive. You're a jockey and you get that many wins in one year. Second off, where did the other 23 races come from? Did they like race multiple times on the same day? Were they racing every day? I'm not sure. What would make it even? I'm not sure that. What? Okay. So even 52 weeks in the year, they raced two days a week. If that like say that's how it happened. That's still only a hundred and four races. They would have had to That's race a lot still. They would have had to race like five times and win like four out of the five of them. And like I'm not doing the actual math. I'm just that's that's an insane statistic that we would not see. Now, 
there's no way they raced on the same horse five times in one day. You would kill that horse. You would kill that. Unless it was Secretariat, you would kill that horse. Because I don't know if you know why, like, when Secretariat died, they, like, wanted to see what made him tick. A horse's heart is already huge. Secretariat's heart was twice the size it was supposed to be. Secretariat's a legendary horse for that reason right there. Yeah. So we'll go from horse racing to the NFL. Segways are weird today. Uh, And we'll start out with week 16. We're going to go over last week's games. I might hop up on the soapbox. Uh, So we'll start out as the Seahawks beat the Rams and Seattle will uh, clinch the NFC West. And the Rams have lost to Jared Jared Goff. Yeah, Jared Goff just, just broke his thumb or dislocated. I'm not sure which it was, but there is a thumb injury to Jared Goff. Um, that happened against the Seahawks. The man popped his thumb back into place on the field so he could keep playing to try to win that game. There's nothing you can say against the, the strength of Jared Goff. Uh, so Jared Goff had surgery this past week to repair that thumb. Um, he is hopeful to come back in the playoffs, but he will miss week 17 in a pivotal game where he needs to win. Well, the Rams need to win to get in. The other big thing with this game, well, two big things, Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle who got hurt earlier this year is supposed to come back for this game. And then Cooper cup will not be playing in this game due to COVID-19 concerns. So the Seahawks clinch the NFC West, but the Rams, they, they take quite a hurting going into a game. They have to win. Have the Rams announced who's going to start in this game? I don't even know who their backup is. They went and signed Blake Bortles, if I remember correctly. But they did announce a starter. I just do not have the name in front of me right now. Steelers down through most of the game in Indianapolis, but rally in the second half to beat Indianapolis, clinch the AFC North. Uh, ahead of the Browns. We'll get to the Browns in a little bit, but the Steelers winning the AFC North. They will. They are locked in as the three seed, uh, and the four seed will be the winner of the AFC South. Did I get that back? Can I step on my can, can I step on my soapbox here for a moment? Yeah, uh, give me just one second here. Uh, so we we have seeds one through four clinched, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but the Steelers have clinched the three seed. So before my soapbox moment, the one seed has been clinched by the Chiefs. We'll get to that in a second. The Steelers are still in contention for that two seed. Uh, the Bills are in the two seed right now due to the tiebreaker that the Bills beat the Steelers earlier this season. So if the Bills were to lose to the Dolphins and the Steelers beat the Browns, the Steelers are moving into the two seed. Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger will not be playing week 17 against Cleveland. So my mild soapbox moment here for a minute. And I've already talked about the fact that if the Jets hadn't beat the Rams and the Steelers lost to the Bengals would have been the most embarrassing loss. I'm not sitting here giving the Steelers any cushion whatsoever. You know, you went 11-0, you ran into a solid defense in Washington. Washington outplayed you. Roethlisberger, you can't throw interceptions and hope to win games. Reds or Washington football team wins that game. Going to the Bills game. Bills have a lot to prove. Steelers need to come back. Roethlisberger threw interceptions. Bills win. Steelers go to the Bengals. You turn the ball over three times in the first half, you will not win that game. 
That was a game the Bengals deserved to win. They played their best to win. So on a three-game losing streak, you go up against the Indianapolis Colts, who are riding high after beating the Raiders. The Colts are sitting here trying to win the South and trying to make the playoffs. They have not clinched a spot. And the Indianapolis Colts absolutely dominated you in that first half. Absolutely dominated you. Phillip Rivers was carving up what was supposed to be an elite defense. Jonathan Taylor ran up and down the field, just decimating your D-line. And Roethlisberger, Marquise Pouncey, and other veterans of this team went into the locker room at halftime and said, guys, we're not having fun out there. And what happens? On three consecutive drives in the second half, the Pittsburgh Steelers scored a touchdown. Let me repeat that for you, my good friend, Jacob Seidel. Three consecutive drives, the Pittsburgh Steelers scored touchdowns. Their defense stood tall. T.J. Watt is a sack away from tying James Harrison's record for most sacks in a single season, which, by the way, defensive player of the year should go to T.J. Watt. So you're now going into a game where you're not going to have a lot of your starters playing due to Week 17, nothing to play for, really. Your playoff spot's been clinched. You don't have a spot at the one seed. So if the Steelers play like they did in that second half, that that's the second that that team in the second half is the Pittsburgh Steelers that went 11 and 0. They're the 11 and 0 team that went beat the Titans in Nashville, beat the Ravens, decimated the Browns. That's the team that we saw earlier this year. The first half was the last three games. So my question for the Steelers, and this is where I'm going to get off my soapbox here in a minute, is what team are we going to see if Roethlisberger is calling plays? And running the offense efficiently while not turning the ball over, which is something he did not do against the Colts. The Steelers are a threat to anybody in the NFL. They got to come back healthy, but they're a threat to anybody. But I don't know. My Steelers, they scare me a little bit just because they are super inconsistent. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. going to be an interesting game you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger is not going to play this week we'll talk a little bit about more about that when we get down to the Browns uh Buffalo beats the Patriots become the first team to sweep a season series over New England since 1999 Q Q Prince Q Prince uh so we'll see The, the Bills look good the Pats, not so much. They need a quarterback. Josh Allen looks legit. Yeah. Josh Allen looks good. Pats need a quarterback. Pats need some wide receivers. Pats need some help. They really do. They need the, the thing that the Patriots need to do is they need to cut some of these veteran contracts, clear some cap room, and they need to restart. And it's not going to be something that I think Bill Belichick will stick around for. I'd be willing to think that Bill Belichick will leave New England within the next two, three years. Um, and open up the door for um, Josh McDaniels is who I think would come in and coach. That's the reason he hasn't left the New England system. Robert Kraft really likes him, and he's been groomed as the heir apparent to Bill Belichick. Um, you need to clear the veteran cap room, and that's why I don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to go to the Patriots. We'll get to him in a moment. But I think you're going to see the Patriots go and draft their quarterback of the future, let him sit for a little bit behind Cam Newton. That's why I think you're going to see Cam Newton come back for one more year in New England. You know, 
Send away Julian Edelman. Send away Dante Hightower. Send away uh, Stephon Gilmore. Go and bring in some talent. Start rebuilding this team. This is the Patriots dynasty that just dominated the early 2000s. This is a team that is now going to have to sit and rebuild just to get going again. That's the problem with veterans is that veterans are expensive. And we'll talk a little bit more about this when we get to the college portion, but Kyle Trask has declared for the NFL draft. And if Bill Belichick sticks around, he's a quarterback that if he falls to the Patriots, I think Bill Belichick would love to have him on the roster. I think so. I think Mac Jones is a fantastic fit down there too. Um, just two of the best quarterbacks in college football. Zach Wilson's also going to be a really good option there. A lot of good quarterbacks in this class for Bill Belichick and whoever decides to start running the system down there. But, you know, got to give a lot of credit to Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Buffalo looks great. His defense has been questionable all year, but they're suddenly starting to come into their own. How good does that Stephon Diggs trade look now for a first round pick, which became Justin Jefferson? I mean, Justin Jefferson looks good too, but Stephon Diggs is a true difference maker in Buffalo. Cole Beasley, one of the best slot receivers in football right now. The bills that I see need to be better in the run game other than Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a pretty decent run threat, but like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss need to be better. Um, This O-line is still solid. The bills are not going to be an easy out this year in the playoffs. I don't think so either. All right, sir. So, the depleted Cleveland Browns lost to the Jets. Uh, the Cleveland Browns had a mild COVID scare. Uh, parts of their O-line missing. Every single wide receiver on their active roster due to contact tracing was deemed ineligible for this game. And then a few linebackers were, were hurt. Uh, or not hurt, but were taken off the field due to COVID-19. So the Browns lost to the New York Jets, who have now lost or have won two straight to give up that number one seed, which the Jaguars clinched with their loss. Uh, Browns playoff hopes come down to a win over the Steelers or a loss by the Colts or the Colts, excuse me. So the Cleveland Browns, a 10 win team is now standing at the doorstep of not being eligible for playoff contention. My good friend, my resident Browns fan who texted me kind of worried this past week. Are you ready for your soapbox moment, big fella? Oh, boy. This is going to be the one for the Twitter promo. Oh, boy, buddy. Oh, boy. Okay. What? I have been irate with the NFL all freaking week. This is probably the maddest I've ever been at Roger Goodell in the National Football League. They've had statements come out that saying, Player health is their number one priority, which is good. Yes, player health should be the number one priority when we're in a pandemic. You ca- I caught myself. I almost dropped another one. <laughs> oh, that was r- okay. I, I digress. But they said competitive nature of the game doesn't matter at all, which is ridiculous. And that was in a statement after the Broncos game where they had to start a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous. The Browns-Jets game should not have been played on Sunday. It should have been postponed, moved back, played whatever, make the Week 18 for this makeup game. But because you're not the Ravens and you don't have the face of the league on your team, no, you're going to end up playing. It just it, it makes me irate. 
I'm sorry, a whole position group was missing from the team. And Baker Mayfield still balled out passing. Yeah, he had three fumbles and he like he took all the responsibility for this game, th- this loss. But if you have Landry, Peoples Jones, Higgins, no, you don't you don't fumble those balls. You're not in a position where you have to try to drive the ball down the field. That being said, yeah, they were missing two offensive linemen and that really hurt the run game, but Either way, this game shouldn't have been played. This is a disgrace to the NFL. This is a disgrace to football fans. And football fans, you should be upset that the NFL doesn't care that these games aren't competitive and that the that the Browns have a very good chance of missing the playoffs with a 10-win uh, record for the second time in a decade. Well, just over a decade, but you get my point. NFL fans so, should just this is this is ridiculous. This should Roger Goodell should be out. He's not he's the second worst commissioner in pro sports, save being major league baseballs. So if I may step in here for a minute, um just just a quick clarification on it. So first of all, the league said after the Titans Steelers game, which is the first game that was truly affected due to COVID-19, that a game that had to get moved or postponed would result in either fines, loss of draft capital, et cetera, et cetera. The Ravens Steelers game, this the, the Ravens Steelers game is the stem of everything. And we talked about this a while back as well with the Broncos game that you and I aren't upset and NFL fans are not upset that games are being played or not played. It's the consistency of it that is bothering fans. The Denver Broncos without a quarterback had to play because the NFL made it very, very clear that if you can feel the healthy roster, you will play. That was the thing. And all players agreed to this and that should be the thing. So they played. The Ravens played a game against the Steelers after a, like a week and a half of COVID, but the Ravens Steelers game, when that second one was played due to COVID concerns, the NFL turned to that to the uh, Baltimore Ravens, I'd imagine, and said, you're playing or you're forfeiting. There was a lot of money in that game and you kind of have to play it. But the Ravens played with a backup team. They didn't really have a team around them still lost. Now, in this instance, and it's still being discovered up to today that more players are continuing to test positive. I think the most recent one was Andrew Sandejo, if I'm not mistaken. There was another now, one today. So so the Browns are starting to just have a pandemic here in their own little area in Cleveland, Ohio. And the NFL still made them play the game. Now, this is where I'm getting at. The, the Cleveland Browns on one hand, I give them a little bit of a pass because of the fact that they were without offensive linemen. Uh, their wide receiver room was all practice squad guys. They had to walk through the day before in a parking garage just to get the wide receivers up to speed. You know, that that's one thing. But on the other side of it, before I go back to getting on the NFL, first of all, playoff caliber teams are able to come back from injury and covid concerns the browns lost by a touchdown against the new york jets baker mayfield threw that ball 50 times you have the most prolific rushing attack in the nfl and you don't utilize it i understand the offensive line is a little banged up 
But Nick Chubb is arguably the best running back in the league, and I've seen him run over three defenders on one run. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are arguably the best two runners in the NFL together. They're a great tandem. So why the NFL didn't turn, or not the NFL, uh, why Coach Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns didn't utilize the run more, I don't know. The Jets are the worst team in football. I'd even argue that they are one of the worst teams in NFL history. I would argue it. But that's the first thing. The Cleveland Browns should have won this game, injury and all. The Cleveland Browns, you, you can't turn the ball over three times and hope to win. It doesn't matter if you're Baker Mayfield or Tom Brady. You turn that ball over and you're going to be put in a bad spot. That's why Baker Mayfield took that loss on himself. Three fumbles in that game, one of which was picked up. So, yes, should this game have been postponed? Absolutely. But this loss, in, 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 in lieu of better terms, is deserved. Baker Mayfield did not have a great day. And again, you'll give them the slight pass and I'm not looking to blast you right now. I did my blasting on Sunday to my family, by the way. Um, but, you know, Baker Mayfield, you fumbled the ball three times and you threw the ball 50 times. I mean, Stefanski had praising you. These Those receivers looked good. The ones they had out there, they looked good. But, you know, you got to take advantage of more of the run game. The defense was holding up what you needed them to but that's still a game that the Cleveland Browns should have won. You're right. Which is one of the reasons why I'm so irate about this. But either way, this wouldn't have happened if the game had been postponed. Even if it was just another day or two, like the, the Steelers Ravens game, why'd you keep pushing that one back? And the reason being is because there was a lot of money in that game because of the fact it was on NBC for Thursday night football on Thanksgiving. But I digress. You got to show the consistency. If you can feel the healthy roster, you play the game. Cool. The Ravens clearly didn't have that going on right now, but the game got pushed back three times, and I have yet to see a fine or loss of draft capital or whatever. The coach that brought that into that locker room got reinstated. He's back coaching. Nothing happened. Nothing happened to Tennessee. As a Steelers fan who has now gotten taken advantage of twice due to the COVID thing, I'm kind of upset about it myself, but you know, I, I'm less upset. Cleveland fans should have gotten another day. You should have seen like a mon a second Monday night football game or a Tuesday night football game. But this is a Brown team now that you're going to see come out with a fire under them, but they're going to be playing with stress. And I said it to you over this past week, a stress team makes mistakes. And the Cleveland Browns are now in a spot where they cannot afford to make any mistakes. And while we're on the topic of that, we've said Ben Roethlisberger not starting. It's going to be Mason Rudolph, and I'm just going to say this right here. I am not. No storylines are coming from me about the hit, the helmet hit. Not happening. I, I agree. Uh, this is, this is going to be the only thing. That is not the storyline of this game. The storyline of this game is the Browns have turned it around. This is the Browns' chance to make the playoffs. This is Kevin Stefanski's statue being built outside First Energy Stadium as a first-year coach. Those are the storylines, not and, and what happened last year. This is something I want to mention. 
Kareem Hunt brought it back up the last time the Browns played the Steelers earlier this year, mentioning this one's for Miles. And what happened? You lit a fire under the Steelers, and the Steelers kicked your butt in Heinz Field. Now, we've seen it with, like, Juju's TikTok dancing on Logos beforehand. You cannot give teams any extra motivation to come out and beat you, which is why, I mean, we're as we're recording this right now on Thursday, December 31st, with, you know, the NFL game being on Sunday, I haven't heard anything from either team about this hit. The Steelers have moved on from it. The Browns tried to bring it back from motivation, and it backfired. I agree with you completely. I have said my piece numerous times about the helmet hitting instinct. It's in the past. It's done. Miles Garrett, I hope, learned from it. Mason Rudolph, I hope, learned from it. All you can sit here and say is the Steelers, either, other than potentially the number two seed, you're not really playing for anything. Hence why Roethlisberger's not playing. Your goal from this is to get rhythm going on offense, your defense to stay healthy, and just go and play the game. Cleveland, on the other hand, is playing for all the marbles. You have the opportunity where it's a win and you're in. You have all you control your own destiny, and the Browns have to approach it as such. This game puts us in the postseason. Nothing else does. You have to look at it like that. You cannot put any extra motivation on it or else this game is going to go to the other team. The last thing I'm going to say is what both teams should be preaching to their players right now. Don't start none. There won't be none. Neither team can really, you know, deal with any suspensions or anything like that. They can't deal with it due to injury or inexperience or whatever. You cannot afford anything in lieu of the playoffs being next week. Biggest upside to this Browns don't have a logo in midfield. Well, Juju also has stopped doing those dances on the midfield stripe. Anyway, as we move on, the Jacksonville Jaguars did, as I mentioned, clinch the number one seed in the 2021 draft after the Jets beat the Browns. So the Jaguars losing to the Bears is actually a good thing. Number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Not seed. Uh, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, buddy. You said it earlier, and I thought I was just a lapse of concentration. <laughs> But they, they are not a one seed. We don't have the toilet bowl yet where you take the worst two teams and they play each other for it. I still think that would be such a cool idea. But, I think that would be so much fun. Week after the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, another week where kind of Patrick Mahomes doesn't look good and this offense for the Chiefs doesn't look all that effective. Uh, they beat the Atlanta Falcons after Young Hoku, a Pro Bowl kicker for the Falcons, missed a field goal, which would have sent it to OT. Um, Kansas City now has the number one seed in the AFC, so Patrick Mahomes will sit week 17 Um as the Chiefs will now get ready for the first week by. So two weeks off for Mahomes. We saw this out of Lamar Jackson last year where he got a week off and then had to go and play again, and he looked rusty. What is your opinion now for Patrick Mahomes, who's getting two weeks off going into the postseason? I think that's the most dangerous thing for him. You, you have the bye week. Let him rest in the bye week. Two weeks off for a quarterback is not good. But also, he better not put any ketchup on his steak. 
because that's just going to make him play worse. I'm, I'm going to start that. Every time he eats ketchup with his steak, he, he plays worse. But I digress. Um, you can't have that. Patrick Mahomes is a rhythm guy. He, you get him into a rhythm, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. You have him out of rhythm, he plays like Johnny Manziel. And again, look at the past three weeks. He's gone up against Miami where he's thrown interceptions. He's gone up against the Saints where he was forced into doing some really bad things. And now the Atlanta Falcons, which forced him and the Chiefs to make mistakes. You know, the nice thing is, like, as of right now, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have the number one seed. Aaron Rodgers is playing this week. So, you know, you're going to have him at least get just a one week off. But two weeks is a lot. Like for running backs, receivers, linemen, you know, the big guys, let them, you know, rest up, get healed up a little bit. But, you know, if I'm the Chiefs, you know, I'm okay with Patrick Mahomes sitting this week, but you lock Mahomes up for the next week and a half. I would turn to any play, any team that's going into the playoffs and say, look, guys, lock up your star players for a week and a half. Do not even put them at risk of COVID-19. Do not even do that. Mahomes goes out, the Chiefs are in a little bit of trouble. So you got to look at it from that perspective. So the Kansas City Chiefs will be in the postseason. Alvin Kamara, who I had to face in my fantasy championship this week, tied the all-time NFL rushing touchdowns in a game record with six. Should have had seven. Should have had seven, but um, he was pulled out for one. He led the Saints to clinching the NFC South against the Vikings, and he eliminated them from playoff contention. So the Vikings are not able to get into the postseason now. But yeah, here's the two players I went up against in fantasy this week. Alvin Kamara and Stephon Diggs. I got blown (laughs) out. And Uh, I had Mike Evans, Darren Waller, but... How many fantasy points did Kamara have? 56. He also set a a career high in rushing yards at 155. Just unlucky, but good for Saints fans. Uh, The Dolphins beat the Vegas Raiders in a dramatic fashion. Ryan Fitzpatrick may have thrown the best pass in NFL history, getting his face mask yanked and completing like a 40, 50 yard bomb down the field to set the Dolphins up in field goal range. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes makes that play and he is mentioned as the greatest athlete of all time for the next year. Ryan Fitzpatrick makes that and he's mentioned for two days and it stops. Ryan Fitzpatrick deserves more love and I'm upset he cannot play this week against the Bills. But put some respect on that man's name. Put some respect on Ryan Fitzpatrick because that's what he deserves. So the Raiders have been officially eliminated from postseason contention and the Dolphins have been put into a really good spot. Yeah, good job for by the Dolphins. They they need a. We'll get to our playoff scenarios here in just a second. Uh, but a good win. I was really not happy because as a Browns fan, I needed the Dolphins to lose. Um, but it didn't happen. Uh, Washington football team loses to Carolina. Dwayne Haskins waved, and I, I swear, y'all. Wow, but uh, that came, that came out of nowhere. The y'all you dropped a y'all y'all you. <laughs> I swear the first person that says the Browns should sign Haskins because Baker sucks. Wrong. You Wrong. are out. Nope. 
You are stripped of your rights as a Browns fan. You are no longer allowed in the Muni lot. I, I feel like that is fair. If you say Dwayne Haskins should be signed and started over Baker next year, if he, and you claim to be a Browns fan, you will lose the rights to your fanship, being barred from the Muni lot, barred from First Energy. Am I overreacting here? Maybe. Maybe. Just a little bit. Is the Muni lot at least acceptable to bar them from? I don't know, man. You don't own any Cleveland Browns facilities. You have no rights to their uh, their property. So I think we should keep on moving. Dwayne Haskins, uh, waived by the team, uh, left the stadium after getting benched for Taylor Henneke uh, against Carolina, who almost came back to lose that game. Um, so Dwayne Haskins, due to a couple of personal issues and stuff like that, was waived by the team. The 2019 first overall pick at or first round pick, I should say 15th pick by the Washington football team. So uh, potentially you could see him in Tampa Bay, maybe uh, green, not green Bay, Pittsburgh. Um, you might see him end up in new England, but I do not think so. I think you're going to see all those coaches go and get their guy later on, but a team that does look to have their guy, the LA chargers did end up beating drew lock and the Broncos, but Justin Herbert is the story of this game. He broke Baker Mayfield's uh, rookie passing touchdown record. Uh, Herbert has thrown 28 touchdowns this year. I didn't know he was close to that. I knew he threw a lot of touchdowns. I didn't know he was close to beating Baker's record. But Herbert's been really good. Herbert is my offensive rookie of the year. I would have to say he's mine too. And this record, I think, cements that. Yeah. So, yeah, congrats, Herbert. Don't want to play you in the few years when, you know, the Chargers have piece, more pieces. Packers. And that's going a lot right now, too, especially like Keenan Allen's really good. Austin Eckler, Mike, uh, Mike Williams is solid. Hunter Henry should be getting re-signed. You just got to hope that defense gets healthy with Joey Bosa, Derwin James, and just continue building on it. This Chargers team will be good in the future. Yeah, they they're going to be scary soon. Packers dominate in Lambeau like they do near the end of the regular season a lot. And uh, Titans get the short end of the stick on that one. Uh, MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I don't think MVP is Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you can argue anyone else anymore. No, I, I don't think so either, especially because he has to go in week 17 and play Patrick Mahomes. That might hurt him a little bit in the MVP rankings, but... Angry Aaron has been so good this year, man. So good. In the face of all the adversity, he got no help in the draft on offense. He had nothing. I mean, A.J. Dillon was the only offensive weapon that he was given, and it's a rookie running back behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. You know, Robert Tanyan has showed up this year. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, since he's come back, uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is really good. This defense has stepped up. The Packers might be the scariest team in the NFC. We'll move on now because, like I said, we have a big show. We have a lot to get through. Quickly, quickly, we'll go through the playoff clinch, uh, clinching scenarios. Starting in the AFC with Baltimore, the Ravens clinch a playoff spot with a win or a loss by either Cleveland or Indianapolis. The Browns clinch a spot with a win or an Indiana lo- Indianapolis loss or a Tennessee loss plus a Miami win or tie plus Baltimore win or tie. 
They're hosting Pittsburgh. Ravens are at Cincinnati, who's already upset one team in the AFC North uh, in the last month. Colts will clinch the AFC South with a win and a Tennessee loss. They clinch a playoff spot with an, with a win and a loss by either Cleveland, Baltimore, Miami, and they are hosting the Jags, who now that they have the number one overall pick locked up, might come out with a little bit of vengeance. Miami can clinch a spot with a win or a loss by Cleveland, Baltimore, or Indianapolis. They're going to be in Buffalo. And the Titans can clinch the AFC South with a Tennessee win or an Indianapolis loss. They clinch the playoffs with a Tennessee or with a uh, win. A loss. With a loss by, by Baltimore or Miami, but not both. And they so, are visiting Houston. So the really interesting thing with the AFC, there is one team from what we just listed that does not control their own destiny, and it's the Indianapolis Colts after the loss to Pittsburgh this past week. Every other team, it's a win-in-your-in scenario. Tennessee clinches the South with a win against Houston. Miami against Buffalo gets so if they win, they're in. But a lot of other situations come out where maybe the Colts don't make it in. Uh, by far, the toughest challenge is the Dolphins at Buffalo. That, I think, is the toughest challenge. Uh, Cincinnati has really sparked lately, and within the past three, four years, Cincinnati has been a kryptonite to the Ravens week 17. So really interesting to look at right now, but I think the biggest game is between the Dolphins and Buffalo. Moving on into the NFC, um, the NFC playoff picture is a little bit more skewed. So first of all, the win and your in scenarios, the Cardinals, they get in with a win really easy. You beat the Rams, you are in. And this is the car, the Rams without Jared Goff. The Chicago Bears clinch a playoff spot with a win or an Arizona loss, and they get Aaron Rodgers, who's trying to get that number one seed locked up. The L.A. Rams, as I mentioned, have the Cardinals. They clinch a spot with either a win or a loss to Chicago. So if they lose, so the Cardinals and Rams can both get in, but the Bears would need to lose to Green Bay. And finally, the last playoff spot up for grabs is the winner of the NFC East. Uh, three of the four teams are in contention for it after Dallas beat the Eagles this past week. Washington, you win, you're in. If the Washington football team beats the Eagles, they clinch the NFC East. But Dallas and the Giants are right behind the football team. They play each other week 17, the Cowboys and the Giants. The winner has a shot at the NFC East crown with a win and a loss by Washington. So if the Giants beat the Cowboys, they can get the NFC East in a playoff spot as long as Washington loses. So Washington controls their own destiny. The number one seed in the NFC is also up for grabs. Packers, easy is simple. You win and you got it. Or if Seattle loses, you have it. Seattle and the Saints are both still in contention, though, with Seattle having a better opportunity. Seattle clinches the number one seed with a win and losses by both the Saints and Packers. Or the Saints can clinch the seed with a win, the Packers losing to the Bears, and a win by the Seahawks. So a lot up for grabs in the NFC. So a couple of teams have been decided already. Next week, we're going to go ahead and give our Super Bowl predictions, and we're pretty much just going to go week by week predicting the winners 
Um, the last week that I will have of predicting the regular season will be this week, uh, which makes me sad. I've done, I've actually quite enjoyed doing that this year. So a lot up for grabs in the NFL this week as the playoffs loom. I'm ready. I still have to buy my sealer shirt from our bet. It's going to be entertaining. We'll take pictures. That's going on social media. Uh, oh, my. I caught myself again. <laughs> we only get that, one of those. Why not, man? Why not? It's gonna, I, I'm, I'm going to beep it anyway. <laughs> it's whatever. We are a family-friendly program. We can say the words, but they have to be censored. Major League Baseball. And the uh, San Diego Padres. Whew. Um, they look scary. So if the Indians have five pitchers that could all go out and be Cy Young <laughs> candidates in the American League, yeah, the Padres are now that in the National League. The only difference is, is that they have pitchers now that have all won Cy Young awards. So... This week, the San Diego Padres look stupid good. They traded for Blake Snell from the World Series runner-up Tampa Bay Rays. So Blake Snell, former Cy Young winner, he's in San Diego now. And a guy by the name of Yu Darvish, don't know if you ever heard of him. I think he's won a World Series. I think he's won. he, He finished within the top five for Cy Young voters this year for the NL from the Cubs. Yeah, he's a Padre now, too. So you're looking at, like, a really, really good San Diego Padres team. And you remember what I told you when we recorded an episode a little while back of the team that I'm most scared for this year in the MLB? You remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember who I said? I believe you said uh, the Dodgers. I said the San Diego Padres. Oh, you said worried for. No, not worried for, but like worried about. who I think has a really good shot. Yeah. yeah. And that's the Padres. Yeah, you, you have you have you Darvish. You have Blake Snell. You have Mike Clevenger. And Chris the, Paddock, who and was up Chris for some awards a couple years ago. One, two, three, four. Play four pitchers that could all win a Cy Young in any given season. And then you got to look at the infield too. Fernando Tatis, who Jr., who I think could be up for MVP this year. Manny Machado over at third base. You got Eric Hosmer at first. You know, that then you got your outfield. Will Myers in left. Um, center fielder played for the Indians a couple years back. Mark um, Martin? No, 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 no. Um, I don't know why his name is escaping me right now. I know who you're talking about. Short guy. He's fast. Oh, boy. I don't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Hey, Siri, who are the outfielders for the San Diego Allen. Padres? Greg Allen. Greg Allen. Greg Allen. It's Greg Allen. So... Then you got the outfield, too, with Will Myers, Greg Allen. You got a lot of talent out on this Padres team. And I think that in the West, that's that's a tough out right there. The Padres stepped up, knowing that they now have to contend with the Dodgers for years to come. The Padres and the Dodgers games, those are going to be so much fun this year. They need one more bat. They need one more bat. 
and I think they're going to either pull someone up from the farm system that's going to be insane. But I'm saying it right now. The Padres are my World Series favorites for this next season. You're, you're saying that now. And I'm saying right that before now. the new year. Mark my words. It is December 31st, 2020. The San Diego Padres will win the World Series. Nice. Josh Bell also traded from the Pirates to the Nats. So the Nats going to look to go back after their World Series championship from a few year, uh, from two years ago. And now we'll move on to the NBA. It just started up a few good games. Uh, the Orlando Magic are undefeated. They're the last undefeated team, too, at 4-0. and um, The Cavaliers that were undefeated for a little while. They just lost to the Knicks the other night. Including a you know, double overtime win over the Pistons. Where they had, A lot of teams look really good this year. This is going to be a fun year for the NBA, and I'm not a big NBA fan, but this is going to be a fun year. Uh, Bucks break all-time three-pointers made in a single game record with 29. I believe the old record was 27, 28. Belong to the Warriors, I can tell you that. I thought it was but, the Cavs against Golden State. I'm pretty sure Golden State owned the record. And, you know, you, you look at this Bucks team. This is a Bucks team that should be destroying you in the paint, but they're hitting from range. They did this to the Miami Heat, who are the runners-up in the NBA Finals this past year. They look really good. The Bucks could be scary this year, too, if they get everything working. Becky Hammond became the first female to coach, well, really technically be a head coach in the NBA after Greg Popovich was ejected, and that's a rarity. You'll see Pop, uh, like Pop get a tech every now and then, but I don't know when the last time I saw him get ejected was. And, you know, if, if I may interject here just for a minute, you and I have been able to sit here for the past few weeks and and really talk about the impact that women are having on sports right now. We talked all already about Sarah Fuller with Vanderbilt, first woman to kick in a power five game. We talked about that. And now we've got this. Now we've got Becky Hammond. And, you know, which, is she the head coach of the uh, the Spurs? No, she's not. But stepping stones, stepping stones. That's what really it's all about. And, you know, there's going to be people out there that are going to blast on social media and everything like that about women in sports. But, you know, these aren't the olden times anymore. This isn't a man ridden league, not a man ridden sport. Sports are not just men anymore, you know. And you really just got to appreciate stuff like this. You and I are around just for the the beginning of it. And I, I, I'm just really thankful for it. I think it's really cool to see stuff like this start. This is exciting for the world of sports. And real quick, I'd say 90% of NBA players don't care if they have a woman coach. Because I don't if, think many sports teams could no. care. I don't think if, if they could, if they're a good coach, they know what they're talking about. I don't think they care. I agree with you. As so long what? as you're qualified for the job, I don't think it should matter what your gender is, your race is, whatever it is. I think that you should be looked on the quality of your character and looked at the, what you bring to the table as in terms of a leader. If you match all the boxes, I don't care who you are, what you look like, or what you've done. 
you deserve it. Exactly. So hats off to everybody. Hats off. Because this this is a this is huge. And then finally, John Morant. Uh, he's gonna be out three to five weeks for the Memphis Grizzlies, the second year player out of Murray State. Um, he is out with a grade two ankle sprain. So he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, but John Morant. Really, really good pick last year out of Murray State for the Grizzlies. He's going to be doing great things from here on out. And, you know, we'll step into the NBA later on. New young season. Really, really cool. We're going to be keeping an eye on a lot of teams, a lot of players. So NBA off to a really great start. And that's going to move us into college football. It is bowl season, baby. You really got to appreciate stuff like this. So we're going to... Talk mainly about the Bulls games coming up within the next couple of days, mainly on New Year's Day with the New Year's Six. But we wanted to take a second to talk about the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, which happened yesterday, the 30th. Um, well, December 30th of 2020 for anybody listening beyond just today. Um, the Florida Gators, ranked at number seven, went to take on the number six Oklahoma Sooners. And a player for the Florida Gators said, oh, we're not worried about Oklahoma. Um, you know, they don't play Florida football. So we're really good. We're in the SEC. And you know what happened? The Gators Florida, didn't play Florida football. Florida got blown out. The Sooners won 55-20 to 20 behind three interceptions by Kyle Trask, one of which being taken back for a pick six. Um, after the game, Florida's Kyle Trask was um, talking to the media, and he officially declared for the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, he threw no touchdowns and three interceptions. So what team stood out to you more was it florida making mistakes or oklahoma showing up oklahoma played defense uh, wait Pac are you telling me a big 12 team played defense i know i think it might be the first time only in 2020 man oh only my. in 2020 oh my the the big 12 played defense <laughs> but uh, florida just looked off i don't think they were ready I think, I think they went in cocky. Alabama shook them, shook them hard, and I, I just they they got the yips. There's no other way to put it, but this like, bravo, bravo, Lincoln Riley. Like I will not give you credit for most things. I'll give you credit for two things: Baker Mayfield in this game. Not even Kyler Murray. No, no Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you Browns fans. Exactly. Anyway. Big congratulations to the Sooners for winning that game. Kyle Trask will be heading into the NFL draft. He is also a Heisman candidate. We will talk about that here in a minute. And, uh, and that moves us to the real quick before before we move on to uh, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Uh, it, we would be it would be wrong not to mention that Wisconsin won the uh, the Mayo Bowl. Was that what it was the called? Duke Mayo the Bowl. Duke Mayo the Duke Bowl. Mayo Bowl. And broke the trophy celebrating in the locker room. The like the glass football on top fell off and shattered on the floor. So they taped a bottle of Duke uh, Duke's mayonnaise on it. And it's almost better than the actual trophy. And I really one, one I hope they get a new trophy. But I also hope they're allowed to keep the broken trophy with the mayo on it 
because I feel like that'd just be a cool story. Um, okay, now we'll move on to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Georgia versus Cincinnati. This is a big game for both teams. It's a big game for Cincinnati because this is them almost what Ohio State did in Joey Bosa's senior year when they got snubbed and played Notre Dame in the um they played in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. They're showing to prove that they should have been in the college football playoffs. Georgia's looking to prove they are still an elite program. They had they're just like if this was an off year, we can still beat the group of five teams. I'm calling this right now. Go ahead, call it. Twenty-one to ten, Bearcats. I agree with the winner. I don't agree with the score. I think that Cincinnati wins as well. Uh, look, Luke Vickle and this Bearcats team has a reason and a right to be angry. This is an undefeated team that, you know, now Notre Dame is going to get a shot at the college football playoff and they've lost a game. This is the opportunity for Cincinnati to sit here and say, we were snubbed. We know we're snubbed. You blow out Georgia and you will be respected next year. You have to be. You would have to be. So I like Cincinnati in this game as well. I don't think that Georgia offensively can keep up with Cincinnati. And that's coming from an SEC school, not being able to keep up with a school from a a group of five conference. So I also like Cincinnati in this game. Cincinnati, if the Bearcats win, the Bearcats should claim the national title just like UCF did. Anytime this happens, anytime an undefeated group of five school goes in and is snubbed, they should claim the national title until the NCAA does the right thing. And that moves us into the Verbo Citrus Bowl. Northwestern, the Big Ten runner-up, is going to take on the Auburn Tigers, uh, looking to show who is more superior. Who you got in this one? Northwestern. I think Ohio State is a better quality opponent than Auburn. I think Northwestern should have beaten Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. Ohio State was dormant. Yeah, they were missing a lot of players. But I think uh, the Wildcats are going to do a good job. Uh, This is a mascot matchup uh, that Carol Baskin would be proud of. Oh, stop it. You and your Carol Baskin jokes. Uh, Anyway, um, I I think that Northwestern comes in. I think this one's going to be a close game, but uh, Wildcats, show me that you can compete for the Big Ten. You've been to the Big Ten Championship game twice. Show me you can beat high-quality opponents. Show me that you can get the recruits. I think you're a good team, but I don't think you're on the level as the rest of the Big Ten. You see, Northwestern has a top-10 defense in football. Northwestern is really good, and I'm not going to take anything away from Bo Nix and the Tigers, but... You know, Auburn didn't look all that good this year. I would have to sit there and give this game to Northwestern. You play the type of game that you just did against Ohio State, and you will not lose this game. That I promise you. That'll take us to the college football playoff semifinal games. The Rose Bowl. This isn't the Rose Bowl. This isn't the Rose Bowl. It's not being played in Pasadena. 
It's not between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. This is the Rose Bowl in name only. But if the game's not being played in the Rose Bowl, Zach, it shouldn't be called the Rose Bowl. Well, it's going to be played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, uh, between a powerhouse and a team that does not deserve to be there, in my opinion. Uh, the Alabama Crimson side at the number one seed will be taking on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The SEC champion Crimson side will enter in at 11-0. The ACC runner-up Notre Dame enters in at the four seed. Alabama currently is favored 19 by minus 19 and a half. Over under on this game is 65 and a half points. <laughs> Lot to look forward to. 47 degrees is what AccuWeather says the temperature is going to be tomorrow at four o'clock. So let, um, let me put it to you this way. It's indoors, bud. I, well, AccuWeather says outside it's 47. It doesn't matter if it's indoors or not. Still 47 outside. So let me ask you this. Does Ian Book and uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, do they have any chance against the Alabama Crimson Tide? They have one chance. One chance. And that is literally to go in there guns ablaze and not caring what's happening. Play like there is no tomorrow. That being said, No. And I know I just contradicted myself, but the only way that Notre Dame can win this game is if they somehow play better than Alabama. And they showed in the second Clemson game they couldn't play better than Clemson. So, no, they're not going to win. There's no chance. This is this is Alabama in a landslide. So let me ask you this question. Do you see it being close at all? Yes, I do. I see it being close at opening kickoff. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, you should know better than to ask me a question like that. Hey, man, it's a question. I'm playing devil's advocate. I agree with you completely. I like the Crimson Tide in this matchup. Um, I think three touchdowns being the line, I think that's a great line. I would take the over on that. Um, I, I think that Alabama can easily win by 21 points or better. And I mean, I know the Crimson Tide are favored at 19 and a half, but you know, I'm, I round that to the fact that it's closest to three touchdowns. So I like the Crimson Tide in that. I think you can automatically just circle it right now. Alabama will be in the college football playoff, which is wrong. I think that they need a tougher opponent other than Notre Dame. You're, yeah, Chip Ke- or not uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, Coach Kelly with um, Notre Dame says that Notre Dame is in year in, year in and year out a contender for the college football playoff. Then you need to act like it when you play these good teams. Yes, you beat Clemson at home without Trevor Lawrence. But you can't do it twice on a neutral field with Trevor Lawrence. You have to be more sound on defense. I think this is a great game for Notre Dame to prove themselves. That being said, I think I think Notre Dame will stand a little bit of a chance. I think it's a game to halftime. I do. I think Ian Book is going to be able to keep it close. But Ian Book has a lot of issues as in terms of turnovers. So uh, I like Alabama in this game for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that it's... Well, that's going to be it. We're going to be talking Alabama versus Clemson or Ohio State next week as we'll go right into the Sugar Bowl now. 
Uh, I would just like to remind everyone that the last time the Buckeyes won a national title, they won it through. Uh, they won it by going through the Sugar Bowl, beating Alabama, and then beating Oregon. So number three, Ohio State versus number two, Clemson. The Buckeyes are looking for their first win over Clemson ever. Oh, ever. And they're yeah, for, oh, ever. And then they lost their last time against Clemson. Last they want revenge. Last two times these two teams met in the college football playoffs, Clemson won. The first one was what was it like thirty-one to three or something like that? A few years back, it wasn't good. It wasn't good last year. And I, I know we don't we don't blame this on the officiating. It was a fumble, first off. It was a fumble. Ohio, Ohio State, State should have played that. better in that game, but that call, that fumble return for a touchdown that was reversed and called an incomplete pass is what really changed the tide of that game for Clemson. And Clemson, they're going into this game wanting to maybe show a, you know, a change of the guard, you know, typically over the past X amount of seasons, the college football playoff is run through Alabama, Alabama, it's been or Georgia. Alabama. So, you know, Clemson wants to go in here and show that they are the future. And I mean, they've beaten Alabama a couple times in the past and, you know, Ohio State versus Clemson. This is by far the better game. This, this is what we wanted to see. Um, you know, Ryan Day went out and said that the Buckeyes team is healthy and ready to go. I haven't seen any reports of COVID coming out from Ohio State. Uh, as far as I know, Justin Fields is good to go. He will play. You know, th this, this is going to look really good. This is, this is going to be a fun, fun game. Um, you know, Notre Dame and Alabama is going to be a game, but Alabama is more than expected to go out and you know, dominate, but this, this game is neck and neck. Yeah. It's so 50.2% for Ohio state, 49.8% for Clemson, according to the power football index. And that's just or football power index. And that's just because you can't have a 50, 50 tie. There has to be some differential. This is as close of a coin flip as you can. And I honestly believe if this game was played a hundred times, if you simulate this game a hundred times in NCAA 14, but you like set up the players all, you know, set up the players stats to what they would be compared in the real world. This game would be a, almost a perfect 50, 50 split. So that brings up the age old question. And I know we did this a few weeks ago. Who do you have winning this game? I think the Ohio State defense balls out. I think they show that they are better than they have shown all year. I think Justin Fields comes out, has himself a game. I think Trevor Lawrence has himself a game. We're going to see the football version of a pitcher's duel. Great defense on both sides. This is going to come down to a three-point game. And I have the Buckeyes falling. You had them falling or winning it? Falling. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. So you have Clemson, Alabama, and the CFP. Yes, and I wish, I wish that I could say Ohio State's going to go out and run the table. I think they're going to – I think – 
Both quarterbacks are going to have a great game. I think Ohio State's defense is going to do well to keep them in the game. I just... The one, the biggest thing that scares me about this game isn't isn't offense or defense for the Buckeyes. It's special teams. Blake Hobiel has had some issues this year with injuries. Uh, the backup kicker, whose name escapes me right now, has had some issues hitting field goals. And I think field goals are going to be a big part of this game at some point. Ohio State loses by three to Clemson. So I want to throw my hat in here. I'm also an Ohio State fan, born and raised in Ohio, as you were. You and I are Buckeyes fans. And I'm very proud of you for the fact that you looked at it like that. And I'm agreeing with you. Look, I want to say Ohio State wins. I do. I I want to sit here and say it just like I want to sit here and say my Steelers are going to win every single week. But, you know, I, I, I have to roll with what I've seen. And the best three games that I've seen Ohio State play, as in terms of competition, was against Penn State, Indiana, and Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. The Buckeyes dominated Penn State, but could not close that game out and almost lost it. I would throw Michigan State in that list as well. I, I would debate that one. Indiana was the best team they've played this year, by far. And that game... The Buckeyes almost lost. Michael Penix Jr., fantastic guy. I'm so sad that he tore his ACL this year because he's going to be destined for great things. He's going to be an NFL quarterback one day, and I'm saying that right now. But the Buckeyes' defense was shredded in that game. And then I moved to Northwestern. Northwestern played as well as they could have. They shut down Justin Fields. I compare this Ohio State offense to the Kansas City Chiefs in that if Patrick Mahomes gets shut down with the Chiefs, it's kind of hard to stay afloat. They can do it because they have the talent, but it's hard to stay afloat. This Ohio State offense is the same way. You shut down Justin Fields. You know, they got Trey Sermon. You got Master Teague. You got Chris Olave. You got Garrett Wilson. You've got the pieces, but they will stay afloat for only so long. Mask or Trey Sermon's not going to be running for over 200 yards against Clemson. It will not happen. Dabo Sweeney will be ready for that. So my question comes down to, can this Ohio State defense shut down Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne? If you can do that, this game is yours. You have to control the ground game and you have to control the clock. I don't know if Ohio State does that. This offensive line for Ohio State is one of the best in college football. Justin Fields will be a top five draft pick. Trey Sermon looks really good. These wide receivers are solid. But you're going up against the power here. And you struggled against Northwestern. Now, Northwestern's got one of the best defenses in football. But you have to be able to make stops. So, when all is said and all is done, I want to sit here and say Ohio State wins it. I think that they learn from their past mistakes. I think Ryan Day is ready to go. And Ohio State's going to be ready to play. But because I have no idea of the status of Justin Fields' thumb, which was hurt against Northwestern, I am not wins. I'm going to agree with your take of Clemson by three. But until I see more information about Justin Fields' thumb, I cannot count Ohio State out. This is going to be a game. This is going to come down to the last possession of the fourth quarter. Who has the ball last? 
but I need to see Justin Fields. I have to see Justin Fields before I can say anything. Now it's time for our Homer picks of this game. Buckeyes by a billion. <laughs> oh, Buckeyes by a billion. But if I'm looking at it from an analyst point of view, it's one that look to be, I, I have to, I have to sit in back Clemson ever yeah. so slightly. It, it's literally like a hair. Zach, we got too serious on that. So I had to bring back the humor. <laughs> oh, that is the so most serious we've ever had on this podcast. Hey, look at it this way. We're analysts, man. We are the big time. We are like Pat McAfee, just a few steps below. Yep. So that pushes us into the Heisman race, the most coveted trophy in college athletics. And there are four players. The final four were announced. We'll go ahead and run through them, a couple of their stats, and then we're going to give you our picks. So the four players, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson, Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama, Devontae Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama, the only non-quarterback in the Heisman Final Four this year, and then Kyle Trask, quarterback out of Florida. So take your two, run through what they got, and I'll do the same, and we can go ahead and make our picks. Well, I'm going to start off at the top, and I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence, who does not deserve to be in this Heisman race. Uh, he missed two games. He's 11th in passing yards. Okay, I'm sorry. 11th in passing yards, 14th in uh, in passing touchdowns with 22. Um, the only thing kind of saving him there is he's only thrown four picks this year. But you know what this shows me? There were 10 quarterbacks that had a better day or had better years passing the ball than you. There were 13 quarterbacks with more passing touchdowns than you. Trevor Lawrence is only in this race because one, his name and what he's done in past years. And two, because he goes to Clemson. Yeah, he's thrown for almost 3000 yards. At 27.53, he missed two games. If he didn't miss two games, yeah. But I go back to it when um, JT Barrett went down against Michigan in the championship run for Ohio State. He had a Heisman caliber year, and he didn't get it. He wasn't even one of the top four, and he should have been. So, Trevor Lawrence, you and I are both in agreement, Zach. We'll just get this one out of the way. He's, if this isn't a game of Among Us, we've been using a lot of Among Us references in the last few episodes. Trevor Lawrence is the imposter, and everyone knows it. I think if we were to start ranking it one through four, I would agree with you. I would put Trevor Lawrence at four. Look, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. I will not take that away from Trevor Lawrence. He is the presumed number one pick for a reason. It's because he's got all the intangibles. All his tape looks really good. He's got good vision. He knows how to run. He knows how to be mobile. You know, and that's something that the NFL is really starting to come to is multi-dimensional quarterbacks. There's a reason why Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in this draft this year or among them. But this year there have been better quarterbacks from than him. There have been better for a, a lack of going, better MVP like candidates than Trevor Lawrence. So I have to sit here and agree with you. I would put Trevor Lawrence at four. And then I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, I'm going to take Kyle Trask. He's, he's my favorite. He is my favorite to win the Heisman. And you look at, listen to this. 
over 4,200 yards of passing. First in the country. 43 passing touchdowns. He's throwing for every 100 yards passing he has, he has a touchdown. That's an insane number. Just look at that. Um, also, first in the NCAA in that. It, he does have a few more interceptions on the year. Eight interceptions, tied for 98th in the country, but a 180 QBR. Yeah, he, you know, my, Kyle Trask, yes. go, go he, he's my favorite quarterback in this draft. He is my favorite quarterback. And look at it this way. Every five touchdowns he throws, he throws a pick. In the NFL, if Baker Mayfield were to go and play in a game and throw five touchdowns and then one interception every game, would you be mad at that stat? No. I, if, I Tom not. Went, if Tom Brady went and threw touchdowns and a pick in a game, he would still be heralded as the GOAT, would he not? Exactly. Kyle Trask is putting up numbers that I haven't seen in a college quarterback in a long time. There's so much potential to him. Now, his decision-making is a little bit of a question. If I'm looking at it from a draft standpoint, you know, three turnovers against Oklahoma yesterday on the 30th. Um, but still, not the like with Kyle Trask. Um, I would put him either at first or second. And the reason being is this guy. I've got both the Alabama guys, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, 3,700 passing yards, 32 touchdowns to four picks. He leads the NCAA in completion percentage at 76.5%. He completes his passes 76.5% of the time. He has a QB rating of 202. Stat-wise, he is second in the NCAA for passing yards behind only Kyle Trask, and he leads the, N the NCAA in completion percentage. Mac Jones is going to be tough. Very, very tough. I'd, I'd say, like, and I, I don't know if I'm speaking for you here, but Mac Jones is at least in the top two. Oh, yeah. Mac Jones is my number two. Like, if we had to rank these one through four, it, it's for me, it's Trask, Jones, Smith, and Lawrence. And the only reason Smith is is because of the outrageous numbers that Trask and his own quarterback have. Just speaking for Devontae Smith here, before you continue, Devontae Smith leads the NCAA in receiving yards. He's second in touchdowns and first in receptions. What are those numbers, you may ask? The first in receptions with 98 catches, and the next one has 86. He leads the NCAA in receiving yards. He has 1,500 receiving yards. 1,500 receiving yards. The next closest is Mississippi's Elijah Moore, who has a 1,193. Devontae Smith has 400 more yards than the next closest Q, or next closest wide receiver. And he accounts for about a third, well, a little less than a third of Mac Jones's passing yards. And then Devontae Smith has 17 touchdowns. He is second in the NCAA in touchdowns. Devontae Smith is putting together a hell of a year. Great, great year. But if I had to put together a four, a top four, these are the guys right now. I would agree. I think Trevor Lawrence is at four. 
And my reason being, you know, yes, he's missed a couple of games, but I, he, he doesn't put up the numbers. Trevor Lawrence has the intangibles and stuff you want in a quarterback, but Trevor Lawrence does not have the numbers this year. Nothing wrong with that. Just he should not be in the Heisman final four at three would be Devonte Smith. And it's hard to say that Devonte Smith has put up a fantastic year. 98 catches, 1500 yards, 17 TDs doesn't come by magic. Those are NFL numbers. Those are Stefan Diggs numbers right there. He's the guy that I, that screams at me when I see Devonte Smith. Now, if he shows up against Notre Dame, I sincerely think that we're going to see Devonte Smith get it. And then, uh, you know, Mac Jones would probably be second just due to his completion percentage rating. Mac Jones is so accurate. Great in the pocket. He's a great quarterback. Kyle Trask is the strong arm quarterback. Kyle Trask reminds me a lot of Ben Roethlisberger or maybe even Tom Brady back at Michigan. So it's, it's really tough. That's my one through four right there. But if I had to make a Heisman pick right now, I, part of me wants to say Devonte Smith because I would love to sit there and say Devonte Smith should get a Heisman. Cause I think it's really cool to see a wide receiver be in this conversation. But I would have to say Kyle Trask. As I mentioned, Kyle Trask is my favorite quarterback in this draft over Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Mac or not Mac Wilson, Zach Wilson. I like Kyle Trask. 4,200 passing yards is MVP candidate numbers in the NFL. 43 passing touchdowns is NFL caliber. Only eight picks. Sign me up. Kyle Trask wins the Heisman. I, I agree with you. And the insane thing about that is that Trask is considered the number six quarterback prospect in this draft. It's because of his decision making. That's really it. But numbers wise, you know, as I said, about every five touchdowns you throw, you're throwing a pick. Any quarterback in any league that throws that number would get an MVP easily. So why not for Trask? Don't don't be surprised to see Kyle Trask in a Patriots uniform if he falls to where Belichick can take him. So, my friend, we've done our Heisman Final Four, but it's New Year's, so I want to throw a little bit of something something in here. Uh, we did not do Where Will I Be When I Grow Up. We have not done overreaction, underreaction due to a lot of stuff being playoffs or just getting started. I want to throw this at you. This is something that we can look back on later this year. It's New Year's Eve. So, in the year 2021, in the world of sports, this will happen. So, give me, like, Maybe one to three hot takes for what will happen in the year 2021 in the world of sports. My three hot takes. My first one I've already mentioned in this uh, episode. The Padres are going to win the World Series. Number two. We're going to have March Madness. I'm kidding. No, that's not my number two. My number two is a wild card team will win the Super Bowl. My number three, the Bowling Green Falcons will make the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1968. I Ziggy Zumba go Falcons talons up. You actually stole one of mine. So, um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. 
I'm going to do my three, and I'm going to start with the one that you kind of took. I think the Bowling Green State University Falcons, who just came off a big win over the Ohio Bobcats yesterday, um, the Bowling Green State University Falcons will make it through the round of 32 in March Madness this year. So that's my first one. I'm throwing that out there. My second one is that we are going to have a female head coach in one of the major sports this year either in the NFL or in the NBA. Maybe you'll see MLB, but I think you're going to see mostly in either the NBA or NFL. I think that that's the direction that sports is headed, and I think you're going to see a woman head coach, or at least a very high assistant, so like an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, something like that. So that's my second big one. But my third big one, and I'm throwing this out here, right? So everybody loves a good feel-good story. Everybody loves a good one, but I want to say one that I'm kind of going to contradict myself from a couple of weeks ago. I made a take, like I want to say like less than two, three weeks ago to my good friend, Jacob Seidel, that he is insane that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to do anything this year. (laughs) Well, sir, so far the Cavs are proving me wrong. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Andre Drummond look very good. Even Kevin Love so, looked good against the Pistons. I want to say this. In the year of 2021, as the NBA will push towards the postseason, sitting at the number five seed in the East will be the Cleveland Cavaliers. I won't sit here. And say my Steelers are going to do well. I'm not going to sit here and say the Boston Red Sox will win a World Series. The Cleveland Cavaliers will make it into the A or into the NBA East playoff picture at the five seed this year. Those are my hot takes. I agree with that take. You do you like all my takes, huh? Yeah, I've had a couple of good ones this year. I've had a couple of good ones. I'm just surprised. I got well. I took your. I stole your thunder with the Falcons one. So I was so mad. I sat there because I was mentioning it yesterday to my roommate. Oh, Bowling Green looks so good, dude. I think I think that they're going to make it in the round of 32. Justin Turner. Here's my fourth. Justin Turner's going in the first round. He's a lottery pick this year. I I I don't see how he's not. There's my final. There's my final. Okay, I threw there, four in there. There we go. So bonus pick. Hope again, everyone. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, uh, joyous Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, whatever you may have celebrated. We hope you enjoyed it. And now as we prepare for the year 2021, just another reminder to keep you and your family safe, safe and healthy as we try to kick this COVID pandemic. That We're all seems- out here working together, man. We're all out here working together, wishing everybody a very, very happy new year if you, from if, both. Yeah. If you are out at a new year's party and you are with some, a healthcare worker, a first responder, a retail worker, tell them, thank you as a retail worker. This year has sucked. It has sucked so much dealing with so many people and we've all went through, we've all had to go through it, but looking forward to 2021, we have a lot of exciting things happening. We're ready. I'm ready. Zach's ready, but that's That's going to do it for this show. 
Our intro and outro. Well, go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. I just want to throw my thanks out there too. Thank you to everybody. You know, you know, after everything happened with COVID-19, Jacob and I, we've really enjoyed doing this show. So um, big thank you to him for wanting to continue the Smith and Seidel show, wanting to keep it going. Thank you to all of our listeners out there sticking with us through the pandemic. Uh, If you like what you hear, like what you see, Find us through literally any platform. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, what, Audible. Audible, iHeart. iHeartRadio. We're on all of it. Uh, find us on Discord, uh, Smith and Seidel. Search us up on there. You can join in, ask questions, give us feedback. We're looking for feedback. And maybe TikTok? Question mark? Oh, boy. You didn't, did you? Not yet. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Find us on Twitter at Smith and Seidel. Um, plenty of ways to find us there. Reach out, ask questions. Let us know what you think of our Heisman picks. Uh, do you like our college football playoff predictions? What is your prediction going into 2021? Let us know. Keep us posted. Big thank you to everybody that's helped us out. And I look forward to continuing this on in the future. That's going to do it, folks. For real this time, our intro and outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. You can find him on Fiverr.com by searching Bobby Quinn Creative C. Our logo was made by Dylan Hunter, a student at Bowling Green State University. Thanks, Dylan. As as always, love the logo. So a little bit of a different sign-off this week. For Zach Smith, I'm Jacob Seidel, signing off. Reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, And have a great 2021. We will see you in January.